Thank you for listening to our midweek service from Christian Ministry Church. We're praying that this message blesses, encourages, and equips you to build the kingdom of God. Well, church, uh, I, I just want to let you know, because obviously we're gathering in here, but, but in, the, in the kids' church building, a lot of our kiddos are back there in the gym. We have a lot of junior high kids over there in youth group. We have a lot of high school students over there. And, and, uh, and I want to let you know that they're not just showing up to play uh, dodgeball. And, and uh, while that can happen, dodgeball is fun, obviously. But um, one, uh, one thing that I, I really challenge my youth leaders in is, is every single week is, did they have fun? Were memories made? Which that's the least important thing. But did they have fun? Were memories made? The second thing is, did discipleship take place? Through the preaching of the word, did discipleship take place? And then the last thing is, did we give them an encounter with God? Um, and, and we use prayer and worship, obviously, to do that. But I want to challenge you, too, as you come into this place tonight, um, did you have fun? <laughs> but really, did you connect with somebody, right? Did you have fellowship tonight? We're, we're, as a church, we're not supposed to just sneak in and sneak out, but we're, we're actually called to connect with each other. The second thing is, is did you encounter God during worship? Did you open yourself up to have an encounter with him tonight? And then lastly, as the word goes forth, did you allow discipleship to take place in your heart? And so as we come to church, I think that needs to be our attitude. This is, you know, not just for young people, but did I connect with people that I go to church with, that I am a part of that body? Did I encounter God during worship? And then lastly, did I open my heart up to receive the word that he had for me tonight, that I might become more like Jesus as I leave this place? Um, and, and, and I'm so, I'm so excited about this series that we're doing. We're doing this exact same series in youth group, this Names of God series. Um, Tim kicked us off last week in here. I kicked the youth group off um, over there last week. They're talking about uh, uh, Jehovah Jireh tonight. Um, and next week, I'm going to be doing what I'm doing with y'all tonight, which is Adonai. Um, as we start this, I want to read Proverbs 18.10. It says, the name of the Lord is a strong fortress, and the godly run to him and are safe. But I love that it says the name of the Lord is a strong fortress. It doesn't say the Lord. It says the name of the Lord is a strong fortress and the godly run to him. Why does it say name? It's because his names are his character. His names are his personhood. They describe him. They are him. I love that worship song that we sing that says uh, your name say it all because they really do. They, his names are all that we need. When, and, and when we know him, when we know him by name, when we know him by his names, we run to him and we find safety in him. The name in this verse stands for Jehovah himself. He is the place of refuge, of shelter, of protection, and safety for all who in faith turn to him. In him is our peace and our safety. And when it says that they run to him in safety, their fortress, it actually means that they are set on high, that they are set out of reach from all of their enemies. Ephesians says that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And if you are seated with Christ in heavenly places, his victory is your victory. And so when you run to him because you know that he is your provider, when you know that he is your protector, when you know that he is your peace, when you know that he is those things, you run to him and you are set high above all of your enemies. Well, in, in, in Scripture, obviously, when um, in Ephesians chapter 3 and 4, when God comes to Moses through the burning bush, Moses asks God, well, who do I say sent me? And God replies, say, I am who I am sent you, or I will be who I will be sent you. And then he says, say to Israel that Yahweh the God, the, the God of your, your uh, ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent you. 
And, and that's what, that really, that's what Yahweh means is he is sent me. Or, or he will be is the one who sent me. So, so Yahweh became this, this term, this, this name, really, that God himself gave to Moses of this is, this is how I define myself, of I am who I am, which is such a really <laughs> amazing name that when he says, who sent me, you say that I am sent you because I am is just that ultimate state of self-sufficiency, self-existence, immediate presence. Like it's, it's the statement of like, I'm not contingent on anyone else. You are, but I am not. Like, that's what God was saying. <laughs> I am, he was saying, I'm not contingent on circumstances. <laughs> he, was, he was promising that, uh, that he will be what he will be, that he will be eternally, constantly God forever, all, all time, unchangeable, completely sufficient. He will do what he wants to do, what he wills to do. He will accomplish what he wills to accomplish. And he's basically saying, no one else can say that about themselves. I cannot declare I am who I am. I cannot say that circumstances won't change me, but God can say that because he is not contingent on any circumstances. He is set apart from all of those things. So Yahweh became this personal name of God to Israel and it's actually used over 6,500 times in the Bible. And over the centuries, the Hebrews, they wanted to honor this divine name that God gave himself. They, they wanted to honor it and they got to a place where they wouldn't even say the name Yahweh. And it, when they were reading scripture, they wouldn't even read the name Yahweh. And, and, and so what they began to do, just so that they wouldn't forget, is they began, to take, they began to take the vowels out of Yahweh, and it would just be the consonants of it. And, and, and then they began to replace Yahweh with this name that we're going to talk about tonight, Adonai. And so anytime Yahweh came up, they would read Adonai because they did not want to dishonor his name. They were saying it was so holy, we're not even worthy to say it. <clears throat> and so in many translations, you'll, you'll, you'll read scriptures over and over again where it says Lord, but Lord is in all caps. And when you see it in all caps, that means that in that point, it was written Yahweh. And, and, and which is really neat too. So they, they actually took the consonants of Yahweh and they took the vowels from Adonai and they combined them together, in, which is where modern day we get the translation of Jehovah. And so um, that's, where we get, that's where we get that from. Jehovah's kind of like a made up name for God that we kind of invented because we didn't want to say Yahweh. But, but uh, so th they began to say Adonai. But Adonai is also a name that they actually said in reference to God in other places. And so they would read Adonai just because they didn't want to say Yahweh, but over 400 times they were using Adonai as Adonai and not to replace Yahweh, but Adonai as descriptive of his character, as who he is. So in the places where you see Lord in all caps, that's where Yahweh was written. In the places where you see Lord with just a capital L and lowercase O-R-D, that, that is actually Adonai, which is what we're going to look at tonight. So what does Adonai mean? In Psalms 97.5, it says the mountains melt like, melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. And actually in this verse, if you look at these two lords, it actually is, it's actually saying Elohim is the Adonai of the whole earth. Now Elohim, Elohim and Adonai are two of the most common uh, names that we see for God, especially in the, Old, in the Old Testament. Elohim means creator, Adonai means owner. Elohim is creator, Adonai is owner. So it's not only that he is the creator of the whole world, but he is the owner of the whole world as well. 
So he didn't, he didn't just create it and leave it, he actually owns it. God is the owner of all the world and all that is in the world. Elohim refers to his might and his power, but Adonai refers to his right to rule over the world. Adonai means the supreme Lord, the Lord of all. This word really, really stresses the sovereignty of God as all ruler. The author Nathan Stone says that Adonai signifies ownership or mastership and indicates the truth that God is the owner of each member of the human family and that he consequently claims the unrestricted obedience of all. And so when you see Adonai in scripture, when you see L with lowercase O-R-D, think Adonai, think ruler, think master, think owner. And, And so where Yahweh is his name, Adonai is his title. Where Yahweh is his name, Adonai is a title of God. It's it's like saying President Donald Trump. Well, Donald Trump is his name, but President is his title, and you could call him Mr. President, right? Pastor Tim, Tim Brooks is his name, but Pastor is his title, and so you could call him Pastor. That would be correct. He is a pastor, but it would be, but Tim Brooks is his name. Think of that as, that is how Adonai is describing God. And quickly, I just want you to, if you're taking notes and want to jot these down, four things that Adonai signifies. Four things that Adonai signifies. Number one, his sovereignty, his sovereign position, that he is the highest above everything, that he is the highest, uh, the highest position above all, the highest in the universe, his sovereign position. Deuteronomy 10, 17 says, for the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God. They're just over and over and over again showing he's over everything, the God of gods. He's in charge of it all. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He is mighty and awesome, his sovereign position. Number two, it's his, it signifies his supreme authority. Not only is he over everybody, but he's also in charge of everybody. He rules with his supreme will for his purposes and his pleasure. And so like, like really like this name Adonai, like I wanted to get it in your heart tonight that like he is authority wise, position wise, he's way above us, way above. That's when we were singing that song, that first song. And it was like the fact that I get to come into his presence is absolutely crazy because I can't just walk into the president's presence. I can't just walk into a ruler in the world's presence, but I can come before the God of the universe, the owner of it all, his supreme authority. Number three, his right to demand submission. Adonai signifies his right to demand submission. So he gets to demand that we submit to him. Oh, like, oh man, that's, that's kind of harsh. No, he's God and you're not. That's what Adonai is saying. Is like, he's God and he created you. <laughs> he formed you in your mother's womb. And so we have to submit to him, submit to his rulership. We'll talk about that more. But his right to demand submission. And then number four, his power to provide. His power to provide. Which is so neat and we're going to look at that here too. So his sovereign position, highest in the universe, his supreme authority, his right to demand submission, and his power to provide. That is what Adonai, so when you think Adonai, you think that. You think master of the universe, master of me, master of all of my things. 
Because honestly, like, here's the deal. Everything that you own, you don't own. I tell my kids all the time, like, go clean your room. Actually, it's not your room. It's my room that I let you live in. Right? Those aren't your toys. Those are the toys that I bought for you, but I could still take them back anytime I want to. Right? (laughs) It's the same thing with God. We are just stewards over what he has given us. He's actually the owner. And when you, man, when you see life that way, that relieves so much stress. Because, man, he's in charge of all these things. You know who stresses out over their business? Not the employees, the owner. That's right. And God's not stressed. He's not wringing his hands like, oh, I wonder how this is going to work out. No. He knows how it's going to work out. And so we put our faith and our trust in him that he's the owner, that he wins this thing, that he's in charge of everything. Right? And, and, and understanding, like, oftentimes, I think we get stressed about financial situations. Many times, it's financial situations that we put ourselves in. He wouldn't put, yourself, put you in that financial situation, but many times people are like, I need financial breakthrough. And he's like, I own it all. All the riches, all the wealth is mine. And actually, even that Proverbs 18.10, like those who know the name of the Lord, they run to him for safety. The very next verse, verse 11, talks about how the rich trust in their wealth and it fails them. He's the owner of it all. Why do we worry? Why do we have anxiety? He's the owner of it all. Okay, so we see Adonai in scripture, and man, just again, over 400 times. Over and over again, we see that he's the Lord of all the earth. He's the Lord of Israel. He's the Lord of all nations. He's the Lord of kings and rulers of the earth. He's the Lord of every human being and all living creatures. So not just humans, but like animals and trees and all the, everything. He's, he's the Lord of the wicked and the righteous. He's the Lord of the wicked and the, he's, he, so we have this, this, this terminology of like, you better make Jesus the Lord of your life. I, you don't make him anything. He already is. It's just up to you whether you acknowledge that Lordship or not. He already is in charge of it all. It's just whether you're going to choose, you're going to surrender to him one day. He's the Lord. He's the Lord of all creation. He's the Lord of the mountains. He's the Lord of the heavens. He's the Lord of all other gods, little g gods. We see him him referred to as Adonai by Moses in Exodus chapter four. Moses, remember at the burning bush, which is wild that he would argue with a bush that was on fire that's not burning up because it's like, bro, like, what what do you, I'm just like, I read some of these stories and I'm like, where do you think you can argue with this thing that is happening in front of you right now? But he's arguing with this bush that is on fire, but he eventually caves and he recognizes God as Adonai. And he actually tell, he says, oh Lord, when he says, oh Lord, like I can't go do this, I can't talk. He actually says Adonai. And the reason that he says that is because he sees he's gonna send me and I don't have a choice. That's what Moses is saying. And he's saying, oh, Adonai, I don't have great speech. And then, and then God comes and says, who made man's mouth? If I'm in charge of your mouth, why don't you, tr- if you call me Adonai, why don't you trust in me that I'm actually gonna make this happen? And so God, God actually shows him, I'm not just the creator of your mouth, but I'm the owner of your mouth. When Moses called God Adonai, he was admitting that I am just your slave, Lord, and there is only one option, and that is to obey you. We see Adonai in Joshua chapter five, before he's gonna take Jericho, he runs into the, the, the commander of the Lord's armies and it says that he falls on his face and he says, oh Adonai, what would you have your servant do? 
That's how it refers to this, whether it's the, an angel or Jesus or, or whatever. Like you, there, there's some debate on what it actually, whether it was an angel or Jesus or whatever. But he recognizes this is God's messenger and he declares, oh, Adonai. Because he says, whose side are you on? He says, I'm not on any side. I'm here to take over. Because that's what God does. He's, I, he, God is ruler over this, Joshua. And so that's where he says, oh, Adonai, like you're in charge. I'm just your servant. What would you have me do? We see uh, King David refers to God as Adonai over and over and over again in the Psalms, but specifically um, in his story in 2 Samuel chapter 18, 19, and 20, he calls God Adonai four times in three verses. Four times in three verses, he calls God Adonai. And it's when God says that it's the promise when he says that, that you're somebody, basically, I'm going to send my son through your lineage. Like you're going to sit on the throne forever. And so this name Adonai comes up. David, who is humble origin, a shepherd, he's the king of Israel. God comes and promises to establish his dynasty, his throne forever. And David is so overcome by this going, I'm just a shepherd. I'm lowly, Adonai. How in the world could you say like this great promise is going to come through me? And it's David recognizing like you're the God of it all. And, and, and acknowledging like I'm humble, I'm unworthy and your goodness and your greatness, Adonai, you're in charge of it all. Just let it be how you say it be because you are the owner of it all, not me at all, which is really cool because he's a king admitting that. <clears throat> and I love in Isaiah chapter six, verse one, it says in the, in the year that King Uzziah died, that Isaiah has this vision of Adonai. He calls him Adonai, which is really awesome. And, uh, and, and, and Isaiah would have been friends with Uzziah who died. And, and, and like, I served the King Uzziah. I, I knew him. He was the one in charge, but I see you, Lord Adonai, who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And when he, and, and when, when Adonai to Isaiah says, who will go? He says, I'll go. I'm going because you're the owner of it all. And I want to do exactly what you said because you are the master. And so are we getting this, that he is, that these characters in scripture are recognizing like he is the owner and the master and I don't have any choice but to submit and obey what he says. You are the owner of me in this. I want, I want you to write these down real quick. These are three characteristics of those, uh, of these men here. And there's more. Daniel calls, out, calls him Adonai a lot. Gideon calls him Adonai. Jeremiah calls him Adonai. There's, there's many examples that we could go through. Um, and if I had all night and you really wanted to nerd out with me, we could do it. It may just be me and Tim here after a while. We love this stuff. <laughs> um, but, but three things, three characteristics. Number one um, is they, when they recognize him as Adonai, they acknowledge themselves as his servants. They acknowledge themselves as his servants, understanding that he's the owner of it all. So the three characteristics, number one, they acknowledge that they are just his servants. They recognize that they are, the, they are stewards of what he has asked them to do. Number two, they understand that as Adonai, that he will supply all their needs, that he's going to make it happen, right? Moses recognized like, you're Adonai, you're going to have to make this happen because I can't even talk well you, I, and I'm going to uh, the most powerful king in the history of the world and telling him to let his slaves go, like that sounds crazy, but you're Adonai, I'm gonna trust in you that you're gonna empower me to do what you've called me to do, right? Gideon had to go up against the Midianites and he had to dwindle his army down to 300, like that doesn't make sense, but you're Adonai, you're the ruler of it all, so I'm gonna understand that you're gonna empower me to do what you've called me to do. They recognize him 
They, they acknowledge him. They understand him, that he supplies all their needs. And number three, they recognize that they can do whatever Adonai calls them to do. They acknowledge him. They understand him or they understand that he'll meet all their needs. And number three, they recognize that they can do whatever he calls them to do. And so in this, this ownership, it's really neat because ownership conveys the, 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 the meaning of responsibility for. They, they realize like if you're in charge, God, if you're the owner, if you're, if you're the one that's in charge of this, like you're gonna provide for me, you're gonna take care of me. You, you, like you're the master and I'm the slave. And so that means that you're going to provide for me. And, and, and you, we recognize this principle in life too. If you own something, you're going to take care of it. Well, some of us are. Faithful and little ruler over much, right? Met some, some people where they want a house, but they can't keep their room clean. You want a nicer car, but you don't take care of the one you got. <laughs> but owners, typically they take care of what they own, what they have, what has been entrusted to them. Owners take care of, provide for, and protect what is owned. And owners maximize the potential of what is owned. They want what they own to operate the best way it was designed to operate. Like I want, like I own my truck, like I want my truck to operate at its maximum potential. I, I'm gonna, I'm, I want to get the oil changed. I want to take care of it. I want to keep it clean. I want to do these, which keeping it clean with four kids is very difficult, but trying to keep it clean and trying to, to optimize it, what I, I own it for, like a, our house, like I want to maximize its potential. I'm the owner, but I want, to, I want to use it for the kingdom. I want to keep it clean. I want to use it to host people. I want to use it uh, to, to create an environment for my kids. I want to maximize it. I want people to, to love to come into my house, to feel peace when they come in my home, to feel joy when they come, to feel love because I own it and I want to maximize. I don't want people to come in and go like, ooh, that's gross. Like, I don't want to be here again. It kind of stinks in here. I want to I want to maximize potential of what I own. And that's the same thing with God for us. He is your owner. He cares about you. He wants to take care of you. He wants to maximize your potential because of his love for you. He doesn't want you to just survive this life, but thrive in this life. In, uh, in 1 Peter chapter 3, we see that, that Sarah called Abraham master. Sarah called her husband master. And it, and it wasn't like in a, it wasn't like in a way of like um, a, a, a perversion at all of like, I'm just your slave, but it was a recognition of like, you care for me, you protect me, you provide for me. So it wasn't a slave that was abused or treated like a dog, but like she recognized you care for me to the utmost. You want me to flourish. That is how Adonai feels about us. And he assumes a sense of responsibility towards us because he created us and put us here. But, but you've got to see this, and, and, and you might want to write this down too because it's a huge point for me tonight, is, is God is not just after relationship with you. He's after ownership. He wants to go so much more than relationship. He is looking for ownership. We have to recognize that God owns us. He's responsible for us. And, and he will demonstrate that responsibility to the degree in which we allow him to own us. We'll get more to that in just a minute. In Genesis chapter 15, Abraham cries out to God like, oh, Adonai, like, 
you're supposed to take care of me. You made this promise to me um, that we were going we to have this land. Our, my descendants were going to be great, but I don't have any children, and my servant is going to take over all of this. So, oh, Adonai, like you're the owner. Are you, going to take care of, are you going to take care of me? And then the promise comes whenever Abraham steps into that place. See, he knew God as Jehovah. He knew him as revealer. He knew him as Elohim. He knew him as creator, but he had to step into a place where he was Adonai, where he was owner. Have you stepped into that place? Like, yes, you know God is real. Yes, you know that he, he is the creator, that he created you. There's no argument in your heart over that, but is he owner of you where you recognize that he's going to take care of you and you put your faith in him and that his promises are going to be yes and amen and they're gonna take place in your life because he sees you as his responsibility. Listen to me tonight, God sees you as his responsibility. So why do you worry? I see my children as my responsibility. I'm gonna work my tail off to provide for them. I'm gonna work my tail off to disciple them, to take care of them, to make sure that they flourish. And if me being a sinful man feels that way about my kids, how much more does your heavenly father have a sense of responsibility for you? He's your owner, I wanna encourage you with that tonight. And listen, and, and when, when you see descriptions of, because I think a lot of times we get a bad taste in our mouth about slavery, because obviously slavery is a horrible thing, but when you see it in context of scripture, uh, many times uh, slaves had it way better than hired servants. Slaves enjoyed relationship oftentimes with their master. And you can read in the Old Testament about the way that the Hebrews were supposed to treat their slaves. It was like, it, they, they had it nice sometimes. They got to live in the house. They got to do all the, so a hired servant had to come and go each day. But the slave got to live in the house, got to celebrate the festivals with them, got to eat at their table. Man, it, like it was, it was awesome. They had a closer relationship to their master than many of the hired servants. And the slave, not the hired servant, the slave had a right to the master's protection, help, and direction. A slave had a right to provision. We are slaves to God. We have a, and, and so we have a right to provision of all of our needs protection from all of our enemies. See, they lived in the house while the hired servant came and went. And so there was danger there, but not when you're in the owner's care. He is our owner and he is going to provide provision and protection for us. He sees you as a responsibility. But now here's the problem though. The problem is that, that many people don't want ownership. They say they do because everything I just said sounds awesome. But you don't get that protection and provision if you don't also surrender everything to him. The problem is with ownership. People want God to take care of them, but they don't want him to actually own anything. They, want, they don't want him to have any say-so in their life. They want to be a part of the bless me club, but listen, the bless me club is when you surrender every single part of your life to him. You only get the provision and protection to the degree in which you've actually surrendered all of your heart, mind, soul, and life to him. The fulfillment of God's promises in your life are directly related to your surrender to him as Adonai. He's got, the, he's got to have the right to own you if he's going to take responsibility for you. Adonai is more than a name. It's a definitive statement of our relationship to him his lordship and his ownership and my submission to it 
It's his total, when you say Adonai, it's not about just his total lordship and ownership, but also about your total submission and surrender to him. Lordship means a complete possession on one hand and a complete submission on the other. You cannot have one without the other. And you even, you, this isn't just an Old Testament thing. You see this in the New Testament. They use terms like bond servants and slaves. And when they say those things, they're thinking of the Old Testament where God, where, where they referred to God as Adonai. Paul, James, Jude, all referred to themselves as bond servants, many times to start their letters. I, that is how Paul identified, I, Paul, a bond servant, a slave to Christ. Jude said that. Jude was Jesus' brother. Like the man is admitting, I'm a slave to my brother. I'm a slave to Christ. I'm a bond servant to Christ. And Jude didn't even believe he was the son of God until after he rose from the dead. Jude had issues with it his whole life, but gets to a place where he goes, that man is the Lord of lords. This is how they identify, like utmost identified themselves, right? I know we love like, oh yes, like, uh, you know, in the... In, your charismatic world today it's like oh like I'm his beloved one and like I'm his bride and like they want to twirl through the daisies and all those things and like those things are great but Paul said I a slave meaning I will do whatever he tells me to do come on that's Adonai where he owns all of it we are submitted to him and so we see this play out not from the Old Testament but even into the New Testament you've got to know the most common reference to Jesus in the New Testament is Lord. Lord, 25 times Savior, six to 700 times, depending on the translation you use, Lord. And whenever Lord and Savior were used together, Lord came before Savior. Because he's, you've got to know he's not your Savior if he's not Lord. And that sounds harsh, but that's the way that he works. He is not looking to be an addendum on your life. He is not a checkbox. He is your master. He is your Lord. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know? Your body is not your own. Paul said you don't get to do whatever you want to do. But grace, brother, grace, yes. Grace. Grace is amazing, absolutely incredible. It's grace that we get to come into the presence of Adonai. But grace isn't a license to sin. Do whatever you want with your life and get away with it. Grace, when you recognize how good he is and how far away from him you were, then you realize, oh my goodness, I have to obey him. He is the Lord. He is the God of the universe. The most, uh, this is important too, the most repeated Old Testament verse in the New Testament is Psalms 110.1. It's the most repeated Old Testament verse in the New Testament. And this is what it says. It says, the Lord says to my Lord, sit here in the place of honor at my right hand until I make all your enemies your footstool. And it starts with the Lord, all capital, Yahweh, Jehovah, says to Adonai, sit here in the place of honor at my right hand. Until, so it, this is the Lord, this is Yahweh, this is God the Father saying to God the Son, sit here while I make all your enemies your footstool. So this is declaring Jesus is Adonai, that he is Lord. Luke six forty six says, why do you call me Lord? Jesus is talking, why do you call me Lord if you don't do what I say? 
See, it's not enough that we give lip service to Christ as Adonai. Faith without works is a dead faith, whereas faith that is genuine results in obedience to him. See, the name Adonai challenges every person who calls God Lord to be willing to live in a way that demonstrates his lordship. It's not that we just declare him Adonai, but we actually live in a way that declares his lordship. In other words, the declaration he is Lord must not only be with our lips, but also with our lives. It's a dangerous deception to say, Lord, Lord, but then refuse to submit to him in loving obedience. Matthew 7, famous passage, 21 through 23, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform many miracles in your name. But I reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Well, how were they able to do all these things in his name? Because his name is powerful. His name is who he is. And you can actually bear his name in vain. You can actually declare him Adonai. You can actually see miracles happen. But if you don't actually live as if he is Adonai, he'll say, I don't know who you are. It's quiet. He's <laughs> quiet. We've got to come to a place where we know he is Lord over everything, that Jesus is our king, that he is our authority, that his instructions are our commands. We have to make sure that he is Lord of every part of our life for all time and all circumstances. What does it mean for Christ to be your Lord? It means that he has the say-so in every part of your life from start to finish, that you are totally surrendered to his desire, that you no longer live for yourself, that he becomes your everything. Whatever he says you do, his will comes before your will. He's not asking for half. He's not asking to be a cherry on top of your Sunday. He's asking to be all, or he demands to be all, because he is Adonai. So closing here tonight, Adonai is a master, and a master is one who helps order the life of his subject and direct what the subject should do. Is God your Adonai? Is he your master? Or are you master of your life? Adonai is the name of God which speaks of relationship. Jehovah's lordship means he is in total possession of me and that I gladly give my total submission to him as my Lord and master. What area of your life are you holding on to and unwilling to relinquish to your master? Is it your job, your spouse, your children, maybe even sin? Ask God to open, your, open the eyes of your heart to really understand practically what his lordship means for you personally. He'll show you. He'll show you. May we have that heart of David that says, search me, Lord. Is there anything in me that's not surrendered to you? Are there things coming into my ears? Are there things that I'm seeing with my eyes? Are there things that I'm doing with my hands? Are there, are there it, the way that I treat people or, or, or in my business dealings or the way that I, I carry myself, the way that I entertain myself, the way that I handle my family or my spouse? Or is there anything, Lord, in me that offends you because you are Adonai, you are the owner of everything that I am and everything that I have? Well, that sounds like a lot. We're talking about the creator, the Lord, the owner of the universe. And I want you to know tonight too, it's like you will not enter into the fullness of the abundant life that God has for you if every part of your life is not surrendered to him. 
Philippians 2. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in, on he- in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So one day every tongue will acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus whether they're doing so during this time or not, but one day everyone will. He is your Lord. Have you acknowledged it? The third commandment is you shall not take or bear God's name in vain. And they're like, oh yeah, it's Ten Commandments. Like, we get that. You shall not take or bear or misuse his name. It's not talking about saying, like, GD, or you get mad and it's Jesus, right? It's not using his name as a curse word, although you shouldn't do that. Clearly, we shouldn't do that. But it's so much deeper than that. It's so much more than that. It's so much weightier of you shall not bear my name in vain. He was te- it, like, this was so crucial. He was telling the Israelites this because there's so many types and shadows in scripture, but when you see what Aaron looked like and Aaron, Aaron had these, he's these jewels on his chest that had the names of the tribes written down. And then he wore this thing on his head that had the name of Yahweh on his head. And, and in Revelation, it talks about how there, there will be a mark on their heads when they belong to me. They bear my name. And so he's saying like, you're, he's telling the Israelites, you're a people. He's telling the church, you're a people who bear my name. But if you bear my name, but you don't live it out in your life, you're doing it in vain. And so do we call him Adonai, but then don't live like it? Do we call him Lord, but then he's not Lord over our entertainment? Do we say that he's Lord, but then we don't make him Lord over our marriage? Do we say that he's Lord, but then he's not Lord over our parenting? Do we say he's Lord, but then he's not Lord over our finances? Are we withholding tithe from him? Are we withholding sacrifice from him? Are we withholding things that he says are his? Is he really Lord of all? Or are we bearing his name in vain where he says, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me? Do you look pretty and good on the outside, but in the inside you're full of death because your heart is far from him? So we cannot afford, we cannot claim him if we're not obeying him. We cannot call him Lord if we're not living like it. To call him Lord and then not live like it is to take or to bear his name in vain. When you say Lord, Lord, do you know who you're talking to? When you say Lord, Lord, do you know who you're talking to? Y'all get something out of this tonight? Y'all stand with me. Adonai, Adonai. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much. Adonai, we recognize that you are the owner, Lord. And we stand here tonight as your humble servants, your humble slaves, your humble bond servants. What a privilege and honor it is that you would come and call us by name. That you, Yahweh, Jehovah, Adonai, would want to be our owners when we took up arms, when we turned against you, when we were your enemies, you sent your son to die for us so that we could be redeemed. We could be brought back into relationship with you by declaring with our mouths and having faith and belief in you that you are the Lord of Lords, that you are the Lord of Lords. God, may we not bow to a culture that says that you have to declare something else as Lord, like the early Christians were, were killed because they didn't declare Caesar is Lord, but they begin to declare that Jesus is Lord. 
May we not bow to the pressures of the culture, the government, different entities in our world trying to make us bow to something else, but we stand and we say, no, we only bow to one name and that name is Jesus. We bow to Adonai, the Lord of Lords. May we not bear your name in vain, God. May our hearts truly reflect what we say with our mouths. May we be a church, a people, a temple that declares that Jesus is the only Lord. Adonai, that you are the God of gods, you are the Lord of lords, the King of kings. We worship you, we honor you in this place tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless. Thank you.